0: So, we'd already laid down a new floor, gotten a new barbershop, all this stuff. And the landlord changed his mind and locked him out of it. As we we walked up to the door when Miguel actually figured out the lock had been changed overnight.
1: Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Millbank Podcast Network from Milbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. YMILBank.com is our website you want to help support the show or just see what goes on here, go there, click on the podcast button, and it's all there. Today on the show, from the Small Business Revolution, an original series by Deluxe, Amanda Brinkman. Amanda passionately believes that all brands can make a meaningful impact on their communities while making a transformative impact on their own bottom line. Through a successful career spanning the world's leading creative agencies and corporations, Amanda has proven the power of her marketing for good mantra time and again. I had the chance to meet Amanda. She graciously agreed to sit down with us. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Let's jump right into it. Brinkman of AmandaKBrinkman.com. Welcome to the interview. It's a pleasure to have you. here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. Um, we were supposed to connect back in July, and I totally didn't dig around deep enough in my junk mail, and so I apologize for not finding your your uh, email. But uh, we're here today. Um, real quick, how did you get um, involved? Because you were here. You spoke in Millbank at the Energize Conference that's sponsored by South Dakota State Universities uh, extension, uh, facility office. How did you get hooked up with that?
0: Uh, well, they they reached out. You know, in the work that we do for the Small Business Revolution, we spend a lot of time in small towns—quite a bit of time, actually, the majority of our year. And so, there are things that we have learned in the process of making the show and filming, and in real life, spending time in these kinds of communities uh, that I think the planning committee thought would be helpful for um, the audience to hear. You know, it's made up of, of folks who are trying to really support the small businesses within their communities and try and figure out how to be a resource to them and to have small businesses be a part of rural town community growth. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think they just felt like a lot of the lessons that we've learned along the way would be applicable. And so hopefully that was the result. Um, but uh, it was lovely to be in Melbank. It's a great community. And and I got to meet you.
1: Well, fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if that was a highlight or not, but. <laughs> um, so you have a, a, a- tag a tagline that you kind of live by from what I understand and it's doing well by doing good so here's the question I have is doing good natural for people
0: I think so I think that we want to make a difference in other people's lives. I think the majority of people, we, we spend so much time in the media and on social media and everything else, you know, kind of talking about the things that are going wrong. And there are so many things that are going right. And we see incredible uh, heroic uh, acts every day. And we see wonderful neighborly love. And, and I do think that doing good is naturally ingrained in us. And I think what's really beautiful is that we're all built to do a different kind of good based on the skills that we've been blessed with, the personalities that are natural to us, the resources that we might have in our life, and everything from, you know, where we were raised and how we were raised all contributes to our unique ability to make a difference in the world. And I think that's beautiful when you think about it almost as a rich tapestry. You know, if we were all trying to do good in the exact same way, there'd be, you know, um, elements left unserved. But I think we're all just uniquely gifted to, to make a difference in a unique way. And I think that's part of our um, journey as humans mm-hmm. is to figure out exactly that, you know, what am I here on this planet or what, how can I uniquely affect someone else's life in a positive way in whatever way makes a difference for them and, and the way they want to be helped. Uh, so yeah, I do, I do. I want to believe that, that being good or doing good, I should say is natural to us as humans.
1: Is that something that we need to kind of learn, like avenues of that, especially this idea that, um, you know, if if we all tried to do the same thing, then we would end up leaving things out because things wouldn't be getting done. That makes all the sense in the world. So are there opportunities, I guess, that you could see where we can begin to instill in the next generations and maybe even some, you know, some older people as well, um, ways that they could do that, like opportunities and uh, suggestions, perhaps?
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things is we have a young daughter and I have to say, you know, spending time in her classroom and around her friends and with her personally, I feel like this next generation kind of gets it in a different way. I think we need to just get out of the way and let them do social good. I think they understand diversity and inclusion and all of these things that we struggle with in society today. They just seem to get it in a different way. They Mm -hmm. just love one another in a way that is um, inspiring. And so I think the next generation gets it. I think where the rest of us uh, have some work to do is just to understand that the, the prejudices we might have, or the perceptions that we have get in the way of helping other people feel seen or heard or loved. I think at the end of the day, no matter what you believe or what you've been raised to believe, our job is just to make sure that everybody feels love and to not feel like who they are as people is wrong, or that, that there's a, a certain hierarchy to society. I think it's just about leading with love in every interaction. Um, and I don't mean leading in terms of leadership, though that I, I think that's also something that leaders need to focus on. But I mean, our first instinct when we meet someone else should just be to find a way to love them. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a compliment or whether that's advocacy or whether that's intervening on their behalf, I think it's it's just about uh, leading with love in every interaction and making sure people feel loved for who they are.
1: Even in the marketing world for... M- a while um quite possibly most of your adult life is that correct
0: that is correct
1: what drew you to that aspect of life
0: very interesting question so i you know growing up i always felt like i wanted to do something that was good and um i was raised in a um In an environment where we, that was just the way we thought about our role. And so I'm very glad, I'm very grateful to my parents for raising me with those kinds of values. But I think I always thought that a a traditional career path to doing good would look like, oh, I need to join the Peace Corps (laughs) or uh, become a teacher (laughs) or run a nonprofit. And so but I was always attracted growing up to like just design and production and um, advertising and film. And I remember I was talking to uh, one of my high school teachers. You know, you're having the classic discussion. What do you want to be mm-hmm. when you grow up? You know, we were all starting to think about college or what was next after high school for us. And I shared that conflict uh, with him. I said, I really want to do good in the world but man, I am so drawn to just like, you know, that marketing space and and again, design and advertising. Uh, so I just, I don't know what to do with that. I want to do both things. And I remember he said, without even thinking to him, he just said, well, Amanda, if people who want to do good in the world, never go into the business world, how will the business world ever get better? Mm. Um, and it was just like, that was like why I think what people call paradigm shifts, but it was a light bulb moment for me where it was like, Oh yeah, no, if, if all of us who want to do good only go into the nonprofit space, then (laughs) we're, we're leaving too much on the table. You know, business has incredible resources, incredible reach. There are so many other ways to affect goodness in the world. And so uh, when he said that it almost kind of gave me permission to pursue something I was passionate about uh, and try and figure out how to bring goodness along for the ride. And there's plenty of other people in the business world who want to do good too, but I've lived my entire career in pursuit of how do I bring those two things together? I think I'm uh, a gifted, uh, a um, uh, brand expert and marketer but if i can also bring this perspective of we need to use that work to do good uh, then then we're able to to bring that into the business space and mm-hmm. so my latest work with the small business revolution is certainly the most poignant you know culmination of those two things coming together something that has done well for the company i work for which is deluxe and is also doing good for the customers we serve which is small businesses so it's kind of the a great proof point in this concept of you can do well by doing good as a business. You can do something that makes a difference for your for your business, but you can do it in a way that um, puts goodness out there. So that's how I got into it because I, I I loved the field. I loved it so much. But it was it's I've just kind of lived my entire career in pursuit of bringing those two things together. And not every project I worked on along the way would be something you'd define as goodness. But when I look at the work that my team and I have been able to do through the small business revolution, I would have never had that opportunity had I not had every stage of my career mm-hmm. up until this point. So whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever it is, um, I just think that all these steps were on purpose in order to kind of lead to this moment. And so there's something really humbling to look back and, and think about it that way.
1: So the, the idea of marketing for good, which is another thing that you kind of push, um, Does that encompass the entire package that that you encourage people and small business, well, even big business, I guess, to kind of make sure that everything they do that's in their package has that good as the center? Is that kind of the purpose of that?
0: It is. There's a couple of different um, aspects of this concept of marketing for good. One is that... uh, um, Actually, the, t- the title of my uh, TED Talk was "Do Well by Doing Good," and I talk a lot about the statistics within it. And one of the stats that I share is that as a as a global marketing industry, we spend every year annually five hundred billion dollars for the B. Oh man, talking about ourselves, advertising. I mean, it's just it's incredible. And if we just carved out a portion of that to talk about something other than what we sell, just think about what that advocacy or what that kind of spend could do. I mean, it would make such a difference. And so the first aspect of marketing for good, in my mind, is that that as brands, we are standing behind giant megaphones and we can either be putting more noise out there, or we can be figuring out a way to both talk about what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what advertising and marketing is meant to do, but could we do it in a way that also carries the message with it that makes a difference? And each company can figure out what that right message is. We don't all need to be trying to solve or alleviate poverty or um, help the environment. I mean, every company can find kind of their niche that makes sense for their business line and what they do as a business. Um, but that also does something um, good for, for the world and for the planet. And so that that's the first aspect. It's just that, that, when we think about that, the size of that megaphone, that if that spend was thought of more thoughtfully, it could make a big difference. And then the second part of it is that, you know, brands talk a lot about brand purpose today. And that's kind of a new catchphrase for your mission statement. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times brands stop there and they just kind of define define their brand purpose and then they go about their business. What I'm always advocating for is your brand action. Like what are you actually doing in the world to bring that purpose to life? And I'm not talking about philanthropy or what your foundation as a company gives away or even your employee volunteerism. I'm talking about, you know, could you actually use your, not just your marketing dollars, but your marketing efforts or campaign in a way that's advocating for something that matters in the lives of your customers, and it's contributing to the greater good. And for us, again, the Small Business Revolution kind of brings those two things together. And so I share it, I share the Small Business Revolution quite a bit as a case study in, you know, what does that look like? When you say marketing for good, what does that look like? You know, it is certainly a, a work that, that shows what we do as a company, but it's also doing something good for, for real people across the country.
1: what has technology done to good or bad to the marketing world?
0: Uh, Technology has has done a lot. I mean, specifically as it relates to, the space that deluxe serves it within small, we work with large financial institutions, enterprise clients as well. Um, uh, we're really a, a digital technology company, but in the work that we do with small businesses, this is why we help small businesses with things like marketing, because the advent of the internet really leveled the playing field. Mm-hmm. So technology became accessible to everyone. It wasn't just big business. Uh, it, once the, the internet kind of um, started to expand it, meant that as a small business you could show up big online you could you could have a website too just like a big business does you could uh, you have a social media profile you can be findable online search engines could find you and so technology again really leveled that playing field but a lot of small businesses didn't get into business because they are tech savvy or because (laughs) they want to figure out some of those things they got into business because they love running a restaurant Mm -hmm. or they love cooking or they love you know, recording music or whatever it happens to be, planning events. And so, you know, that's why Deluxe does what we do is so that we can make that technology, we can take the advantages of technology, being accessible and open to all and help small businesses use that to their advantage to grow and be uh, sustainable as a business, but do it in a way where the it's, a, you know, it's understandable for the small businesses and they can get back to doing what they love about it because they feel like they have a partner that's helping them with those things. So, Technology has completely changed um, the marketing uh, world for small businesses. And then the way it's changed it, certainly for big businesses, you can just measure so much more. You can measure interactions and click-throughs, and there's a lot more insight into what's working about your marketing, which is a good and a bad thing. Um, it, it means that you can continue to optimize your marketing mm-hmm. as a big business, but it also means that sometimes you can become too laser-focused on those metrics and and. and we've seen marketers and companies almost become too obsessed with those percentage shifts from campaign to campaign and haven't taken a step back and just trusted the gut that we used to rely on in the advertising and marketing space. And so in my mind, marketing is one part art and science and we've become a little too focused on the science part and have lost some of the art. So that's part of what I'm also advocating for.
1: I think that's a a lost art in some of the lost thing in some of the education we're getting too. It's like that, that seems to be the thing that gets brought out is that the art that you can removed when funding goes down. What do we pull out of education? We kind of start with the arts things that we want to back away. And, um, you know, th- there's value in life that you can get out of those things. Um, the, uh, it, you know, because we've got, you know, e- the internet, everything's online, especially 2020 really pushed everybody. To get online and to kind of go digital, uh, is there just so much noise out there now? How do you get up? How do you poke your head up above the fray now? Because it's so vast.
0: It really is, and it's a very you know, um, it's a very crowded space for all of us. It's hard to, to get people's attention. I think from a business perspective what you just need to focus on is who are you trying to reach? You don't have to be reaching everyone. It, it, it's almost impossible to, to reach everyone mm-hmm. without a huge, you know, influencer spent, but where are your customers spending time? How do you uh, work with technology to make sure that the kinds of customers you want are finding you? So um, we talked a little bit about this at, at the conference I shared that, you know, it's, the digital adoption was fast forwarded throughout 2020. So yeah. it, everyone's kind of consumption of of online not just content but buying things online having video calls all of this was fast forwarded about five years in you know in one you know 12 month period and so now people expect to be able to you know find you online buy from you online and and figure that out and so businesses kind of it used to be it was very very good for your business to do it now it's like a necessity Mm -hmm. and as we see the delta variant kind of rearing its head we might have to go back into some of these shutdowns and things like that everyone we hope not but um that is your digital you know your digital presence is your storefront for a lot of folks so it's about figuring out how you work with those uh with technology to be and then, you know, to, to break through. And so the way you do that is to make sure that you just have a really strong digital footprint and that you're findable online. The name of the game now is search. We all do it. It's how you find, you know, we, we either Google or whatever search engine you use, you type in questions or you search for coffee shops near me, or, you know, that is how people find websites. And so you can, or businesses. And so you can design your website and your social platforms and your directories in a way that works with the search engine so that, you know, your business is showing up when people are searching for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of businesses like, oh, they hate dealing with that piece of it, but it's like, it's, it's necessary. That is how people are finding you.
1: Yeah. The Herald Advance was a newspaper that funny. I, when I, when I moved to uh, South Dakota, I grew up in Oregon. When I moved to South Dakota in 2008, uh, I got to know the old lady who ran, who runs the current newspaper in town. And at the time, she's since passed away, but at the time, she was adamant that you move to town, you, you're in their paper. That's what you do. That's just what you're supposed to do, being a business person in town. And, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm young enough that the, the technical age had taken over a little bit, so uh, I wasn't sold necessarily just because of that reason. However, I found it fascinating. The other day, I was working with a client, um, they had the entire year of 1928 of the old The other newspaper that's no longer here. And the headline, it's a story, a a little blurb from the the paper itself. And the headline is, a non-advertising merchant helps promote mail order sales. And this is 1928, so we're almost 100 years ago. The man who does a successful business is the man who lets the public know what he is doing it with. And I just think it's fascinating because, I mean, you could just change a couple words out of this and it's don't buy online, buy local is really what it says. Um, But it's the more, if the merchandise you carry is of high quality, you claim for it. Advertise that fact to the people of your community and stop them from sending to mail order houses for the very things you have to sell. The more publicity you give your store, the more sales your store will make. The more sales your store makes, even at a lower percent profit, the more money you make and the greater the reputation of your store as a good place to trade. To increase your sales and build up your business, you must secure new customers. And to get these customers, you must tell the public what you have to offer. This can be accomplished in only one way, and that is by regular use of your home newspaper. So it was a total ad for the newspaper. But, <laughs> but I thought it was fascinating that 100 years ago, nearly, we're having the same conversation it's just now our the the mechanism for that non-local buy is different but it still was i mean it, it blew my mind so what has changed other than the method of the non-local merchant
0: nothing i mean i think that is what is so interesting is that you're always kind of having to talk about the advan- every business should that is what marketing is. Marketing is always talking about your differentiators. Mm-hmm. What makes you unique? Why should someone support you? And small businesses, the, the biggest differentiation is all of the things that make it great about being local. When you buy from me, the tax dollars stay local. I can employ local um, people at my store or, um, at, or shop. Um, I you know uh, know you, I know this market, I'm selecting my merchandise specifically for you. And so there's, there is something, those are the things that, that people need to be talking about. And I think specifically coming out of uh, the pandemic is I think people really recognize how disproportionately it was affecting mm-hmm. small businesses. And so they wanted to support small businesses. And so now is the time more than ever to talk about the fact that you're a small business. I mean, sometimes in some industries, um, there's this tendency to want to like, to show up bigger, like pretend like you're not a small right. business, you want to compete, you want to show like, but right now is the time to talk about it. People want to know that mm-hmm. they're supporting a local family and a local, um, community member. And so, yeah, so I don't think things, things have changed. I think, uh, I, I think it's just about promoting the fact with, you know, the benefits of buying local and, and
1: how much, you know,
0: the fact that you have the same quality goods, you can touch and feel like that. Um Yeah. yeah.
1: It's fascinating. Um, the, <clears throat> one of the, the thoughts that I had written down is, um, how do you feel that the, the response to the pandemic? Cause I, I kind of think that's what hit us on main street. The most wasn't necessarily the pandemic. It was the response by government to it. And then that, you know, just rolled down the hill and started becoming a big snowball. Um, how do you think that has affected the i want to say the the mentality of Main Street America because what what we were done what, what what happened is we were forced and told kind of and on a grand scale that the only places that you should be going is home and the big box stores everywhere else was unsafe to be and so what happened, like, I know in South Dakota we're a little bit different because we didn't quite have that that much local control, which helped us greatly continue and be able to survive. Um, but just in Minnesota, I mean, I've got some photographer friends um, that live over there, and they couldn't technically have their open sign on, even though they managed one client at a time and it was always time between them. You know, according to the rules, that they, they couldn't do that. And I know that just... Um, their men their mental state got affected by that um what did that do to the small business as you as you travel around and talk to more of these people i mean did it hurt do we have long-term damage that was done
0: i think personally um everyone was affected by what the pandemic represented Hmm. i don't think i won't comment on uh kind of like Here's the thing. I think a lot of the things when it came to the shutdown were meant to keep us all safe. And and I don't know that any of us have a better solution for how you do that at scale in an unprecedented literal global pandemic. And so I think the thing that small businesses and entrepreneurs do really, really well is continue to evolve. Like the thing that makes you an entrepreneur, I mean, you are a classic case of it. The thing that makes you an entrepreneur is that you continue to have ideas. You want to explore new things. You want to keep going. There's no, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, there is no like finish line to running a business. It is always, you know, a consistent evolution of your business. And I think what the pandemic did is it forced small businesses to really, really focus and figure out how do we continue to stay in business? What are we really good at? Where are we making money? Um, you know, one of the outcomes of the pandemic that we saw for small businesses is this shift from growth to profitability. So instead of thinking about just how do I keep growing Mm -hmm. and doing more things, how do I do things that make me money, keep people employed at my business? And and just that like forced focus was actually really healthy for Mm -hmm. businesses. It felt painful for sure. I mean, there's no getting around that, but it actually thinking about profitability running a business versus just growth is actually a really healthy way to run a business um and so i but, but speaking of the, of the mental state state i think you know even kind of the spring when the, the mask mandate was lifted and things you kind of felt the world reopening a bit i felt like almost this whiplash like whoa are we going to talk yeah. about what just happened? <laughs> right. like this yeah. is a crazy year yeah. like it was really hard like and no matter how you were experiencing it whether it was from a place of privilege or whether you were really really um, affected by some of just, you know, people were losing jobs. People were having a hard time, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, with the space, you know, covering basic needs. I mean, there, there were so many different experiences for people throughout it, but no matter what, how you were experiencing it, it was just a mental health doozy. I mean, we were separated from people, which is something that humans want to do. If you even think about like the nature of like video calling, yeah um you're not making eye contact with people like right now I'm looking at you (laughs) (laughs) because we're on a video call but you I'm not actually looking in your eyes Mm -hmm. I'm looking like away from my own camera to look at you which is the do it so it's like you all these like little human um interactions have been kind of changed over the course of the last year and I, I don't think we've ever like we've taken the time to kind of reflect on like what that I mm-hmm. I'm a huge expert. I mean, I, I'm a textbook definition of someone who gets their energy from spending time around other people. Mm-hmm. So last year was super hard for me in many ways. I love speaking. And so I was doing a lot of speaking, but they were all over Zoom. And that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, it's not, you're not... You're know, reacting to an audience and feeling that energy. And so I it not only meant that I struggled from an energy perspective personally, but it also meant I wasn't doing things that I was good at, which also give me energy. Um, or at least I wasn't feeling like I was doing them the way I like to do those things. Right. And so I think no matter who you, I, and, so, and so, you know, I think business owners felt the same way. They, they're in business to provide a business and they were hamstrung by that um, based on what was going on in in the world through a pandemic. And so I think I, I don't have, I don't have the answer for, for how that's affected people. Cause I think everyone has experienced it differently, but I think if anything, we're prepared for something like mm-hmm. this better, like depending on what happens in the fall, I think businesses will be in a position, a bet, much better position to react to it than they were obviously back in March of 2020, because we hadn't seen anything like it before. Um, so anyway, I yeah, don't know. And, and, and,
1: and assuming that the, you know, the, the response will be the same, know it's now a known a known quantity so you know it, it will be <laughs> uh, mounted differently that's definitely true um have you seen a uh an increase or a decline of small business in 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 the last you know as we've last six or eight months as we've kind of sort of opened back up and mostly and kind of people starting to breathe a little bit uh up until now did you guys see uh in your looking around the the country, a growth in small business?
0: Yes. I mean, it's, it's been a little bit of both, right? There were a lot of businesses that had to close almost immediately, Mm -hmm. which speaks to the fact that a lot of businesses run on razor thin margins and often do not have a cash reserve. So I think that's also a learning lesson from 2020 is that just like we need to personally always have, uh, you know, kind of that safety net in case we lose our jobs or, or we have an emergency, um, just like you should always have personal finances set aside um, for for those kinds of times, businesses have to do the Mm -hmm. same thing. And so I think a lot, we're seeing a lot of businesses start to, to kind of think about that stockpile too as they're reopening and and as businesses coming back. So certainly a lot of businesses had to close. We saw uh, record numbers of that and that was very sad. Um, And then we saw a a record number of new businesses opening. I think the other kind of um, outcome of last year was that people kind of stopped and took stock of how they were spending their time and realized like, maybe I'm not happy working for someone else, or maybe right. I'm not feeling fulfilled yeah. by this job. And do I want to have my own venture? Do I want to start something new? And especially for people who maybe face unemployment, I think they recognize like, well, now's the time. Like now, yeah. now's the time to take that leap. And so we've, yeah, we have seen a lot of businesses um, starting. And uh, I also think there's a huge opportunity chewed during the pandemic for businesses to think about what their customers needed like if you were a restaurant like one of the things that people really valued or or one of the silver linings is that people commented a lot like it was fun to be back home every night making dinner with your family that was something that a lot of people had Mm -hmm. started to forego just with the busyness of life and so if you're a restaurant how do you you know pivot your menu not just takeout but how do you like deconstruct some of your favorite dishes so that the family can make it at home? Like, how do you, th- how do you lean into like how people are spending their time differently to kind of surprise and delight your customers, especially during some of those months that were a little, uh, could have been boring. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you actually lean into those insights? And so, um, so yeah, so we're, we're seeing a lot of new businesses start and I, and I um, wish them the best because there, there is nothing like building your own legacy and your own business. I'm sure uh, you have as many lessons as anyone about that and, and what that looks like, especially coming to to a town and doing that. So,
1: what do you think it's done to our idea of what a work situation, a work environment looks like? Has has that been reimagined now? <laughs> I think it has. Uh, yeah, unintentionally. Uh,
0: I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been an I've been an advocate for. Working from home for probably over ten years now, ever since our, our daughter was born. So uh, working from home on Fridays was always a big deal to me um, because I felt like I it was like the one day I could like really focus on the things that were on my plate. Now this is this is talking about someone in a corporate environment. So obviously it's a little bit different for small businesses, but. Um, you know, I felt like it was one day I could like finally, you know, get back on, you spend so much of your time in meetings and helping other people move their projects along. And then at the end of the week, you're left with the to-do list of things only you can move forward. And so I loved those Fridays um, because I could just focus on all of those things. I could, I could just get it all done so I could go into the weekend feeling a little peaceful. But I remember over the years, you know, other teams would look and I would make sure that my entire team, if they wanted to, had the option of working from home on Fridays too. Um, and a lot of them uh, took advantage of that or, or liked that setup too. But I remember other teams would sometimes like look at that a bit with skepticism, like, Oh, are you really working? Or right. why are you home on Friday? <laughs> And yeah. I think the pandemic just taught everybody like, no, you can't, yeah. no, we were super productive on those days. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it just, I think it just kind of reduced the stigma of, where you get your work done, and if we're not using technology, techn- the, technology should help us live a fuller life is, is what it should live in service of. And so um, I think I, I think we're going to see so many you know large employers really opening that up. like we know I've always treated my team that way as a leader in corporate America, like, you know what your job is, you know what it is expected of you. I trust that, you know, when to get that done and how to get that done. I don't need to tell you that you have to be at a desk to do that or in a building to do that. Um, And oftentimes then, I mean, often, like I actually am not best at my job when I am at deluxe headquarters, I am best at my job when I'm out meeting with small businesses, Mm -hmm. when I'm speaking or I'm advocating. So I, making connections in the community and so I think this I think we're all going to think about the office environment differently it's like what is each person's role and how you know how and where can they best serve that role so I think we're just going to see a lot more flexibility around that and I think we're going to get on less probably on less planes and you know some meetings are just easier to just let's jump on a quick zoom rather than driving a half hour Mm -hmm. parking you know but then there are other times where it's like no, there's nothing that can replace. Right. I just talked about it earlier the downfall of Zoom is the eye contact piece. Mm-hmm. And so there's gonna be other times where it's like, no, it's best to be in person with that yeah. other human in order to make the right kind of relationship and connection. So I don't know. I just think we're going to see it all kind of, I think it's all up for grabs right now.
1: Yeah. It feels like, you know, we just whiplash one way and, you know, we're coming back it'd, it'd be fun to see where that middle ends up being. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one thing and then I have another direction we'll go. What's one thing that every small business owner should know? Ooh, we'll put you on the spot. That you, one thing. Yep.
0: That uh, <laughs> Claiming your Google listing is the number one really? thing. It's one of the most important things you can do for your business. And most businesses, it's free. And most businesses will search for themselves. And I'm not an advocate for, for Google as a search platform, but it, it is a highly uh, adopted search platform. Well,
1: Google means um, search, it, unfortunately, in the lexicon today. <laughs> it doesn't. It?
0: Yeah, it has to just because, yeah, like Kleenex. So, OK, so a lot of times, businesses will will google themselves or search for themselves mm-hmm. and they'll see that they show up on on google whether it's on maps or, or on the internet and they'll say okay good i'm on google or i'm on the search engines." but if you haven't actually claimed that listing google is just making guesses about mm-hmm. your business they make good guesses oftentimes they think by facing the name of your uh business that you're a restaurant or you're a coffee shop but there are all these things you can do to build out your directory that include increase and improve your search ranking first of all just claiming your listing helps with your search ranking because then google identifies you as a business owner who is taking care of their business second you can control your hours you can add qualifiers you can i mean i can keep going i don't know if you want me to go in this level of detail but that is the number one thing you can do
1: go as deep as you want um
0: it allows you a ton of control you can add photos mm-hmm. um and especially like when we saw this during the pandemic they started adding all of these different things that you could put on are you open for curbside right should people call you are you open for delivery what's your website and so it'll number one thing that businesses could have been doing last year and and um hopefully we're focused on. And then if something happens again, is make sure you're communicating with your customers. We all want to support small businesses, but we can't possibly keep track of the different regulations on barbershops versus restaurants versus retail. So make that as easy as possible for me. Make that as, you know, if if I'm wanting to support your business, make sure I can find you online Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're telling me what hours and and how to interact and buy from you. And so that Google listing just helps you do that. We, We show that a lot in the show. Almost every business we, we, we help on the small business revolution that's something that we're helping them with because it's one of the things that a lot of business owners miss and um we were working with an irish pub in Alton illinois this is uh season three and uh they have this incredible whiskey selection the vibe there is just it's dope you would love it it was just so fun and but they couldn't figure out why they weren't getting any lunch business and they're like we're open for lunch and nobody knows and it's they just hadn't marked that on their mm. Google listing. They weren't even listed as a uh, lunch restaurant. They weren't uh, listed as an Irish uh, restaurant. They weren't listed, all these different qualifiers that they could add. And so they were le- losing all this search volume. So people, we could do research to see who's searching for that. Right. And the search volume they around this Irish it. restaurant mm-hmm. was really, really high. But all of that search volume was going right over their listing because And they weren't being served as a response to that because they hadn't added that qualifier. So anyway, every episode, we have an example of why it's really important how you're listing and Mm -hmm. and talking about your business so that you're capturing that search font.
1: That's the number one thing you can do. Is Facebook a a reasonable alternative, Uh, equal, substitute, or is, is the Google side really the most bang for your buck? So <laughs> search engines dollars.
0: triangulate. Nope, you're right. Uh, search engines triangulate um, multiple places that you show up online in order to make assessments about your business. So the Google listing is uh, free and a really easy, quick fix to make sure that you're covering a lot, but it also cross references that data with your website and with your social platforms. So the the most important thing to be doing is to make sure that you're consistent across all three of those. So make sure that the hours that you have on your website are the same as your directory and your listing. So your Yelp, your TripAdvisor, your Google, everything. And then also making sure that those are accurate on Facebook as well hmm. um, or any of your social platforms. So that's the number one thing is that if you're going to change your hours, think through everywhere you're showing up online and then making sure that those are consistent. Um, and then making sure that those same things that you're thinking about as your qualifiers when you're doing something Um, like your directories and listings is also to make sure that you're doing that on your website and thinking through how people are searching for you and that those keywords are built into the copy on your website. But social media platforms can be great, but you'd be surprised how many businesses still in 2021 are relying on social platforms as their website. Mm. And that's not wrong it's just you're missing search volume so, like so it's, a web, just, it's just the website is you are rewarded in search for mm-hmm. having a website it doesn't have to be a complicated website you don't even have to have people don't even if you don't want to get into like online shopping for your business because it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. or it seems too complicated you don't even have to do that but people need to be able to find they need to land somewhere there's a reason why it's called a landing page they right. need to be able to land on your business somehow online and then you can direct them somewhere else uh, call us email us whatever, it, visit us, whatever the action you want them to take is, but they still have to be able to find you on the internet.
1: Do you ever work with um, like communities, cities at, at that level on this kind of marketing thought process too?
0: yes yeah so are they they
1: easy to work with or hard to work with
0: (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of both um so uh so uh uh, for your listeners the concept of the small business revolution is each season we revitalize a different community's Mm -hmm. main street through its small businesses so each season takes place in a different small town and that's decided through a whole voting and nomination process um so in conjunction with working with the businesses each season we work with the town that we're in as well and so usually uh specifically for episodes for seasons one through four five was a bit different because it was during 2020 and Mm. i can talk about that later but um uh, episode one is all about the community and the community challenges and the history of that town and um you just really fall in love with that community. And then episodes two through seven are about an individual small business. And then in episode eight, we always show the same marketing things that we're doing for the businesses in their episodes for the town itself. So very insightful question. So we'll help them making sure that they're findable online, that they're talking about the differentiators as a community, why you should visit there. Mm-hmm. And it, they're always lovely to work with. But the challenge is that in most town experiences is that you've got a chamber, you've got the government, you've got right. uh, or local government, maybe you've got a main street association, like you just got so many different groups that are talking about the same thing. The biggest opportunity is how do you bring that all together mm-hmm. so that, um, you're uh really making sure that everyone's talking about consistently, but that you're using you're harnessing all of that power for for one good versus like you know having the same teamwork and the same things that for four different organizations,
1: right? Well, you're reinventing the wheel seven, 17 times. Um, is there yeah. any change in that dynamic? Based on the size of the community?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, the larger the community, usually the more robust resources they have mm-hmm. in terms of size of staff or just um, uh, savviness in that digital space. But I think at the end of the day, what we find is whether it's a super small community or um, getting up on the larger side, I, I think what's really beautiful is that people in those roles and serving those organizations really want to help their town grow i mean that's their job and so it's really really inspiring to see people dedicate their life to helping their community be successful and so i think one of the things we saw coming out of 2020 is that A lot of small businesses started to recognize the value of, you know, their local chamber of commerce or their local main street association or their local, you know, visit Wabash, uh, Mm -hmm. tourism association. Wabash Indiana was season one. And they have such a lovely, incredible, um, group at visit Wabash, but, um, uh, it's, uh, it, I think there's small businesses just recognize like, oh, I do need to participate in these local groups they are here to help me. They're Mm -hmm. here to help me be successful because we saw a lot of those organizations do things to help promote small business support during the pandemic or to help organize community fundraisers for small businesses to make it through. And so I think people saw a renewed value and why it's so important to be a part of groups like that and why, is so important, it creates a community within a community too. Yeah. So, small business owners can be working together to move the community forward, too, not feeling isolated in their own business.
1: So, you're talking about small business revolution. The uh, it, is it on over the air TV or cable, or is it strictly a streaming product on Amazon?
0: Yep. It is uh, just on, uh, so it's on Hulu mm-hmm. and it's on uh prime video. And then if people don't have one of those two platforms, you can watch it for free online at our site, which is uh small or SBR.org can be easier to remember.
1: Awesome. Um, how did this show come about? Whose brainchild was it?
0: Uh, well, it was mine, but it has taken an incredible talented and large group <laughs> of people to make it a reality well, so yeah. for us uh at deluxe we serve small businesses and when i joined the company um uh, we were about to celebrate our 100th anniversary and um we really had to utilize the centennial to talk about our future mm-hmm. um from a we have been serving small businesses for over 100 years and it started doing things like all of their marketing solutions for over 10 years wow. um before i joined the company but hadn't ever really been able to raise the brand awareness around that. So we had less than 1% brand awareness with small businesses. um, Let alone the fact that we have them with their marketing. And so, as we talked about at the top of our time together, I'm really passionate about figuring out how you do well by doing good, doing well for deluxe would mean more small businesses know who we are and know what we do doing good was the part to figure out. So what is good for small businesses? What can we do? And so uh, the number one thing small businesses need is for people to support them. So my vision from the beginning was not a, a TV show, it was a movement, it, it, which is very much what I believe it has become. And we're very proud of that. But it was about how do we inspire more people to understand the importance of supporting small businesses, not how do we create a documentary or a, something about our past or our legacy yeah. in our 100th anniversary? How do we turn the camera around? it's such a notable milestone in our history to talk about small businesses mm-hmm. first. And could that in and of itself lead to more people knowing who we are? So the doing, the doing well would be more people knowing us The doing good would be driving business to small businesses.
1: So so, so really, first it, year... so, Sorry. So it really is the concept of kind of showing the result of who you guys are as a company. Like like so, some of the, the outcomes, not just what you do, but here's the outcome of what you can get.
0: That is exactly right. So that's where it's evolved to. The first year we went across the country and told the stories of a hundred small businesses. Oh,
1: wow! Um,
0: and we rolled those out throughout our hundredth year. And those were beautiful photo essays and documentaries, really cinematic quality. And that's when the movement started because it was all across the country. And mm-hmm. you know, all these news stories were being written about, it was like, a, it was a, re, it went really, really well. Um, but we wanted to take it a step further. And that's when it evolved into a, into a TV show, because to your point, we wanted to show we loved telling the stories of small businesses. The whole point is that if you share a business owner's story, like you want to support them. Yeah. You literally put a face to a business and you recognize the impact they're having on our community. You see their family and you just, you understand the power mm-hmm. of that dollar. So we wanted to keep doing the storytelling, but we wanted to also help these businesses. And that's what we do as a business. And so let's, tell their story let's share the story of um you know lisa downs who started a bridal shop in wabash indiana and let's tell her history but then let's show what a difference a, a custom website makes yeah. for her to be able to um, expand her addressable market and what the what kind of difference does having a social media presence and a new look and feel and a brand and all these other things that deluxe does as a business what impact does that make to an actual business which is a far better way, I think, to talk about products and services than to have just done an ad yeah. campaign that talked about our custom website mm-hmm. vision. Like right. this is a way to really show not just what a better way to engage, but also to actually show the impact that marketing can have. It's not just something a business should do. It's something that makes a huge difference yeah. in the success of, of a business. And so to show the impact on a real person is really powerful. So, um, So yeah, it's essentially a small business makeover show, but it's done with heart you know, the way we film it yeah. is unprecedented for the category. It's an unscripted show, but it's shot documentary style, which is not traditional. And uh, it was just nominated for an Emmy. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, That's it's, cool. Um it's heartwarming and high quality. And so what we love about it too is that small businesses can watch it and they can be entertained and mm-hmm. inspired and they learn a lot while watching it, but it's something they want to spend time with. You know, there's mm-hmm. plenty of resources online that are, you know, white papers and what you should be doing for your business. But this is a much more fun way to learn about it.
1: So uh, Robert Hershevak is a part of the show. Is he still a part of the show season six? Uh,
0: uh, no, he's not. So he was uh, my co-host. So I host the show
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, as well as uh, produce it. And so I, uh, he was my co-host for seasons one and two. Uh, and he was fantastic. He was wonderful to work with. And we loved it every year. We just kind of, creatively try to continue to evolve right like I'm a, I am ai can not sit still <laughs> in an idea I need to keep uh moving forward you can relate um and so for when we moved to season 3 we felt like uh Robert did a great job with helping us you know when people would see like the show poster it would read immediately mm-hmm. like entrepreneurial yeah. show because Robert and Shark Tank are you know it's the number one show that entrepreneurs watch um and so that was great and then as we continued to grow with our small business audience we felt like could we bring in a co-host that helps us appeal to kind of that makeover show mm-hmm. genre the show is truly kind of in that same uses a lot of that same tropes of that uh of that uh, category and so uh ty pennington joined as my co-host so of people cool. will know him probably from like trading spaces mm-hmm. or extreme, extreme home, home, makeover, makeover. Uh, home mm-hmm. edition yep so uh so yeah so he was fun so he was my co-host for season's three four and five and then i have a new co-host uh for season six uh baron davis who is former nba all-star turned entrepreneur and he has been incredible so we've been blessed with three amazing co-hosts who are all uh still very involved in the program and supportive of it and it's been fun to work with with three incredible individuals who care as much about mm-hmm. the real heart behind this work as i do
1: so because this is a deluxe product i mean it, it, it is a, a deluxe series um do you have to go out and get producers and and video film houses to get on board or can you guys continue it as this way of telling the stories of uh, the impact of what you guys do?
0: Yeah. So we work with um, since day one, even from the hundred stories stage um, we've been working with an incredible production company out of Austin, Texas. Hmm. Uh, They're called flow studios. And honestly, I don't know where, I've been working so intimately together for these seven years now. It I don't even know where my brain stops and our director Matt Mueller's brain (laughs) ends. Like we're just we're uh and we have an entire um uh film capture crew, the edit team on Mm -hmm. this is incredible. I mean, just our producers are incredible. So um so we have a team at deluxe that works on the small business revolution and then all these marketing experts from deluxe that do the actual marketing makeovers and then majority of the production work itself the actual film capture and editing is done by by flow studios so um so yeah that's how we bring the show to life and then
1: yeah. that's cool craziest story so far on the show
0: so we were working um let's see we were working with a business in season two in bristol borough pennsylvania and uh, he was looking to expand into the space next door. It was a barbershop. His name is Miguel. And um, he, uh, yeah, he was going to expand into the space next door. And so he was working with this landlord and that we had started. To, so on the show, we always help with the marketing makeover, mm-hmm. finances, operations. And then we do a physical transformation, new flooring, new equipment, new awning, whatever the business needs. So we had already laid down a new floor, gotten a new barbershop, all this stuff, and The landlord changed his mind and locked him out of it. As we were like, we walked up to the door when Miguel actually figured out the lock had been changed overnight, (laughs) and so it was crazy. So in the course of filming, we had to not only figure out how to get our equipment back out of that space, but what did he locked your gear in there too?
1: He locked your gear in there.
0: Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So, so um, we (laughs) had to go back in there and get, well, it was all of the equipment for the business. Mm -hmm. So like his new chairs and all that kind of stuff. So we ended up helping him find another location and then had to retake all of our production dollars that we were pouring into renovations into this new space. And it ended up being the perfect new space and it, it was great and it all ended fine. But in the real moment, I always say like, you know, a lot of times reality shows, what's so gross about them is that they create all this like faux drama and we never do we are literally just telling a real story Mm -hmm. because you don't have to make up drama this (laughs) kind of stuff happens (laughs) you know so um yeah it's we yeah and we've had other things happen throughout filming that how about this Uh, a global pandemic
1: well 2020
0: so we yeah (laughs) we had started filming for season five and we had the first few scenes of every episode captured and uh then march 2020 happened and we had to. figure out how to capture a television show from our basements and still help these businesses. And it became that much more vital to help them not just survive the pandemic, but to thrive. And Mm -hmm. so it actually was a blessing to my team and I that we were focused on this work because it allowed us to feel like we could do something to help small businesses during that trying time. So anyway, we figured out how to film a a television show during a global pandemic. So that actually, I should have led with that. That was probably the craziest
1: (laughs) production story there is do you ever get like unhappy crumbling from others in the communities that you guys are in or is everyone pretty mm-hmm. much on board?
0: They're, they're on board. I mean, I think, um, what I'm sure there's always some, some outliers when you can't make everyone happy, but, um, part of the process is that, you know, the town is nominated by someone from the town. Mm-hmm. There's a whole, voting and betting process and then we come to the communities and they host these big rallies we get hundreds of people welcoming us to town we meet all the small business owners we walk door to door we shake hands and so there are months of lead up before filming where the town is like lobbying to win you know their spot right, on yeah. the show so they're 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 you know they're wanting this and the entire community has been activated to get these votes in for the community and so uh so usually it's something i mean it's something that the town really really wants and understands the importance or the opportunity to have your town highlighted on a national award-winning television show and so um so yeah you know and and then i think that they feel the ripple effect too because we keep all of the, the dollars local too mm-hmm. even when we're making the physical renovations we work with local contractors we work with local distributors Um, We try to buy from local artists. So we try to make sure even the dollars we're dedicating to the businesses are coming into the community. And so I think people see that ripple effect. And some of the results have just been so astounding. I think it's hard not to be excited about the impact of the show.
1: Do you see it ending at all soon? Or is this something that there's just so there's so much more to do that it, it could keep going for a long time?
0: Yeah, I think we'll see, you know, our focus for season six, uh, so we're based in Minneapolis and St. Paul, and uh, so we're actually, uh, this season, uh, as we've typically worked with small towns, we're actually working with a larger metro area this year, so we've brought the small business revolution home to Minneapolis and St. Paul for season six, and we're, instead of working with one main street, we're working with six different neighborhoods, and we're featuring all Black-owned businesses and entrepreneurs, and so we feel an incredible, We're incredibly inspired by this season and by um, having the privilege to share the stories of these Mm -hmm. incredible entrepreneurs in these neighborhoods that perhaps have been underestimated in the past and to show what an incredible impact entrepreneurs have and ripple effect they have within their communities. And that's always been the point of the show, but I think it could never be more important than to just show how vital these particular entrepreneurs are in these neighborhoods in Minneapolis.
1: Well, that's pretty crazy. Where is the best place for people to follow you around the interweb as a marketer? Uh, so
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm very active on, on Instagram and on Facebook. So uh, they can follow me at Amanda K. Brinkman. The, the K is important when finding my Facebook public profile. And But yeah, Amanda K. Brinkman uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and then uh, they can find the show on Hulu, Prime Video, or SBR.org. Um, and then my personal website is amandakbrinkman.com.
1: Fantastic. Well, um, I could keep going down the road, but I won't, uh, we'll stop here and we'll, <clears throat> maybe we'll reconvene after you get more production done and we have some more, more time. That'd be really fun. Um, I appreciate meeting you and, uh, I loved what you had to say here. Oh, one of the things that I do want to touch on real quick, um, that I, I think I mentioned this to you when I saw you last week, um, was your i think someone in the audience asked you what the um what what communities are the most successful um or what mm-hmm. make what makes them most successful and one of the things you said is is when they understand the value of the small business in their community kind of talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit.
0: yes so the things that we see in, in communities that aren't just that are truly thriving are that they understand the importance of supporting their small businesses, um, both buying from them as well as making sure that they're creating resources for those small businesses because your small businesses are what make your town
1: mm-hmm.
0: unique. Uh, you talk about the local coffee shop. You talk about the third generation bowling alley that you remember going to when you were a kid, <laughs> when you tell someone to visit Millbank, when you tell someone to visit whatever small town you're from, you talk about the small businesses. You do not say, We've got the best Walmart you'll ever see. You talk about (laughs) your small businesses, and so it is really important to double down on supporting them, then, and making sure that the entire community understands the value of that. Um, and that maybe you'll spend maybe you have to spend a little bit extra on certain items, but there is value Mm -hmm. in that. Um, and you're helping a, a local taxpayer you know contribute more to the tax base you're helping a local family you know uh and you're helping you know some a, a, a small business owner give back to their community because you see that disproportionately that small businesses are the ones supporting the little league and all of that right. so it's just really important to support your small businesses and the towns that get that and lean into it and are really judicious too about which big businesses they allow into town too i mean you need a little bit of a mix um but when they're thinking through that they're thinking about the small business Mm -hmm. mindset first and the other thing that we see in towns that are really thriving too are are really thinking about diversity and inclusion thoughtfully and on purpose um and are really thinking about what is the feeling of our community is it open and welcoming to all um towns can't expect to grow or to survive if it isn't a place where people feel seen and heard and no matter what your personal um things that people, uh, will qualify under personal beliefs. Mm Um, no matter, it is just the right way to treat other humans. Like just make sure that everyone feels welcome, um, in your community, because that is how you will grow. You're never, you're not going to, uh, you know, um, continue to grow tourism or residents without doing that because this next generation, sees this differently and they and they want to make sure that they're raising their kids in an environment that feels like that and the big advantage of a small town is the sense of community and that you know everyone yeah so that feels like love so let's continue the love all the way to you know um, making sure that we're being really inclusive of LGBTQ plus and that we are um, very open to uh, racial diversity and that we're we're just being a, we're being purposeful about it. Because mm-hmm. um, what's so interesting in these small towns is you talk to individual people and they're like, no, I'm I'm, I'm su- I'd put a pride flag outside of my business, but I don't know how that would be received. Or I'll, I'll put a Black right. Lives Matter uh, poster in my window, but I don't know how it'd be. received." Like, if you talk to individuals, everyone gets why their town needs to think that way. But then when you talk about it collectively, you're not seeing this kind of movement mm-hmm. in that direction. And so I think it, it just takes one person to start to say, no, we want our town to be known for love, not exclusion. Um, so anyway, those are the two things we see in businesses yeah. or in towns mm-hmm. that are thriving. So thinking about their growth. And even if, even if people can't wrap their heads around it for, for whatever personal reasons, think about it as an economic driver. You want your town to grow. Mm-hmm. That is good for you. It does good for your businesses. So, what does growth need to look like? It needs to look like a place where people want it to be.
1: So, w- would that take some a uh, little bit of research to kind of see what your community is like, and then, like, like are you are you saying that they should change some of that to to open up a little bit more, or is it just be aware of what's local already? I mean, how would that look?
0: yeah i think it's about i think it's a little bit about i mean talk to kids who have grown up there and aren't moving back and Mm -hmm. ask them why and i think you'll get a lot of your answers there and there is there is something that kids are attracted to in larger metro areas and it's the fact that they can find their people and Mm -hmm. that they can feel a sense of community but your community could be that sense of community too Mm -hmm. you know and i think it's about having some signage having I, you know, having pride flags having different like just visual indicators of being open and welcoming there's there's a lot of different um there's a lot of research around the power of murals um yeah. you know uh even just claiming it on the side of a building that we are a place that is open and welcoming to all so um i think i think each community needs to just stop and uh be honest with themselves about it but you could do research but i think it could be as simple as asking kids that grew up there if they're
1: going to return and if yeah. not, why not? I think that's a great question. Um, very much. Awesome. Amanda Brinkman, thank you so much for giving me this moment. Um, it was great to talk to you and kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, other than the marketing business that you do, um, what are your hobbies? I heard you might run. Uh, my husband, Is this right? Are you a runner? Yeah,
0: I, yes. Um, I do. I run on purpose. Can you oh, it? that's no, um, but no one chasing <laughs> that's, you. Not just when I'm being chased. <laughs> uh, no, I love uh, staying physically active. Yeah. I could be a little better about that. This summer, we've gotten a little. Uh, we're filming, and so whenever we're filming, the schedule's mm. okay. Anyway, I love physical activity. Uh, My husband and I love love, love, love live theater. So we're anxious for all of that to come back. I love musicals. I love all that. I serve in a couple of different theater boards. Um, we love uh, trying new restaurants and supporting local entrepreneurs in that way. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to call myself a foodie, but I'm very into the restaurant. It, scene. It, is
1: there a certain uh, genre of food you prefer?
0: Uh, I like, I love it all. I really do. I like, I, I love all, so I love, I love to try it all. So um, I am not picky. Channeling your um, inner Andrew and Zimmern.
1: <laughs> What's that? Channeling your inner Andrew Zimmern. <laughs> a yeah,
0: bit. right. Yeah. He's a Minneapolis native. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we have a great restaurant scene here in Minneapolis and St. Paul too. So that it's fun true. to support yes. that. Uh, we love sports. Uh, we have season tickets to to most of the local teams, which we're in So very blessed to have, you know, mm-hmm. all four, now five with uh, the Minnesota United. And now we oh, have the, the soccer, soccer league right. represented here as well. Yep. So we love that, and then um, yeah, we love spending time with our daughter. And
1: so that's cool. Well, excellent. Any last thoughts you have before I, I let you go?
0: No, I, I, I just encourage everyone to you know I think this this we started talking about goodness. I think mm-hmm. I think it's just about everyone just kind of figuring out. Yeah, I just encourage everyone to think about themselves and think about. Not everybody has to be, you know, making big speeches on stages or running nonprofits or serving on committee. Like there's just a way we can all continue to to pay it forward when it Mm -hmm. comes to goodness. It can just be a smile to a stranger. It can just be a simple act of kindness. It can be stopping to think about our own prejudices and think about the work we might need to do there. Um, And so, I just encourage everyone to kind of think about the way you are as a person. Every individual is that way on purpose because we're on this planet for a reason. And it may be a huge reason or it may feel like seemingly small reasons, but you've been uniquely gifted uh, to make a difference. And so continually spending time figuring out what that is, I think is a really healthy personal exercise.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks again. Thank you, Craig. AmandaKBringpin.com smallbusinessrevolution.org Thanks again Amanda for taking the time out of your day for giving us the insights that you have into small business and the marketing world a little bit. Hope all of you have a great day. Thanks for hanging out with us and we will see you on the next one. Have a great day.